Hey all, Dan Klein here. Uh, this is the latest edition of I'm Bored. That was a ridiculously terrible introduction, but didn't plan anything out. Uh, I am joined today by Amber Cole, an incredibly talented musician I met uh, on the Navigator of the Seas, a cruise ship. Sort of an uh, accidental happenstance and have ended up watching her perform many, many nights in a row across a couple of cruises. Amber, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Dan. That was a great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a musician. We'll, we'll get to other things, but at last I saw you, and, and we're, we're friends on social media. We, we yep. you know, I can tell where you are. You can tell where I am. We both, you finished your cruise contract at the same time I went on my last cruise, and you were playing in different places. You were in Austin. You were in Wyoming, I want to say. Yep. Uh, yep. And I assume that was your plan, that you were going to travel the country and, and play music and entertain people. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a, I had those gigs all lined up, you know, months in advance. So yes, that was my plan. And then I was meant to stay in Austin, but that's kind of where things got derailed. <laughs> it, now derailed because of coronavirus or derailed because oh, yeah. you're in a terrible business? No, because uh, no, of coronavirus. Yeah. Cause okay. so, so it was at a bar and all the bars had to shut down. Okay, so you were sort of an early casualty of this because it's obviously been sort of a rolling shutdown across the country. Right, right. And how how long were you going to be in Austin? Was it was that a long term gig? Yeah. So they had. I was I was really planning on moving there. So I was based out of Nashville before the um, before my last cruise ship contract, and then I met um, a guy on the ship who saw me perform, and he's like, "Hey, I want you to open my." bar in Austin. And I was like, I could live in Austin. <laughs> Another music's place. Sure. Why not? Um, and so I had gone there once as planned to kind of get a feel for the city. And then um, I was going to go down again and kind of stay more permanently um, during South by Southwest. But uh, South by Southwest was probably one of the first things to officially just say completely cancel. It, it was. Have you been to a South by Southwest before? No. So I went a few years ago and I didn't even have like official tickets. A company I was consulting with had rented out a bar for, for the week and was just putting on concerts. It's like the most music filled thing, even aside from the official program. Like basically like I could set up on the side with a slide whistle and there'd be like 50 people watching. <laughs> <laughs> like, who is he? Yeah. They'd be, um, like, they'd be like, Oh, is he that new slide? Oh my whistle God. Guy? He's so amazing. I saw more than one breakdancing Chewbacca. If that or, oh, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I can't promise they were different breakdancing Chewbacca's, <laughs> but they had different coloration. So and to be fair, I, I'm assuming it was Chewbacca. It could be a different Wookiee. Oh, my God. Oh, I've heard it's really cool. So, yeah, I was excited. and I, I, I hope you get to go because it was just like – it was a very weird experience. I, I was spending one night and I wasn't doing that much. The company I was, I was with was not a successful company. Um, <laughs> and, and I was just helping. It wasn't my job or anything. Yeah. And I'm sitting at a bar one night talking for like 90 minutes uh, to some guy. And then finally I'm like, oh, hey, I'm Dan. Here's what I do. Who are you? Uh, and he tells me he was the lead singer of Collective Soul. No way. Yeah, I, still I, don't I almost swore. I'm not probably not allowed to swear. <laughs> I, I still don't really know who they are, but he's the nicest guy on earth. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even look him up afterwards? Um, I mean, I played a few songs. It's not my thing exactly. Sort of jam gotcha. not, gotcha. not Not my world that much. Uh, yeah, I'm, I hear you. I'm guessing I would have liked watching them perform because, as you know, I tend to like 
smaller settings and it was a pretty small bar and they were kind of the highlight. Um, but I don't, I think I had a work obligation when they actually played because I don't remember seeing them. Um, so tell me, you, you must have met, have you worked with anybody or had any crazy interactions with, with people we've heard of? Um, yeah, but not so much in the music world. <laughs> I, so, so like athletes or professional wrestlers? Like well, no, I mean, going? from, well, no, I used to, I had an internship at the Late Show with David Letterman in New York, like years and years ago. That, and so then I did. Oh, wow. But, now, now, were you yeah. pre-scandal or post-scandal? Yes, pre, pre. I, no, he never did anything weird. But were you aware that was going on? Or was no, it, no, no, no idea. No. And I, I, yeah, no. So, so did you have visions of, of writing or production or television or something like that? That was when I was still doing finance. And so, <laughs> but the funny thing is, I guess I've always been both mathematical and creative. Cause even then I was doing the finance internship, but then that was only two days a week. And so they had this, they had a few other internships. So I did end up doing the writer's production internship also. <laughs> oh, wow. Just because I had some more time and I didn't really do well serving at the Indian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know, for those of us who choose a creative path and mine is much less creative than yours, there are always like a huge list of bad jobs. <laughs> yeah. Was the Indian restaurant the worst oh my one? God. I, so, I was so bad. Um, I, no, no, it wasn't the worst, but it was weird. I was a foot taller than everyone. And the only white person there so are you are you a fan of indian food or i love indian food. so do, so do i uh though I, I i do find i think part of the reason indian food isn't more popular and i'll make the same argument for thai food is on the menu they don't list out what's in it and i think that's very off-putting for the average american who's you know they've already made the leap they're going to an indian place and now they're ordering a dish and they have no idea what it's going to look like or taste like they need more pictures and more description well right it's like oh is that the one i like i can't remember <laughs> they, right they do all i sound like, the same <laughs> do i like vindaloo or paneer or yeah right it could be, be very tr tricky well it's like you think you like paneer but really you realize you're focusing on the wrong word and it's like the other word that that you like. <laughs> exactly. It, it, again, I think part of the reason sushi has grown so much faster than, than Indian and Thai is because there's always that poster on the wall that shows what the different sushi is. Like, I'm not sure who that's produced for, but like, there'll be like a piece of salmon sushi and it'll say it in Japanese and it'll say salmon in parentheses next to it. Uh, apparently, we're a picture-based society, but I, I want to yeah. get back to, to, to cruise ships. There's actually something... So, so you mentioned you met someone and he invited you to, to play at a bar and it worked out. It became like a potential right. gig. How often <laughs> were you offered gigs that you knew like weddings and things where you knew there was no chance they would ever happen? Right. I mean, people say things in passing quite often. You are, that assumption is correct. Um, so this was actually... I feel like it has happened maybe once <laughs> aside from this. I'm like trying to think maybe one or two times, but, um, but it is pretty rare. Cause I mean, I've definitely met um, a number of people who are like, Oh, I'm, I'm opening a bar and you should come. And 
uh, but, but I do get a fair amount of follow-up afterwards. Because um, I watched it happen. You know, we have a mutual friend. We're both friends with uh, Steve Dennis, who is a yeah. guitarist who plays on board, who is also from the same part of the country I was. So, or, or I guess I, I'm still from there. I just don't live there. Uh, so I, I was watching Steve play guitar on the Navigator, and he kept saying he was from Boston. And I, I walked up to him afterwards, and I said, where are you from? And he said, I'm from Boston. And I said, no, no, uh, nobody's from Boston. Like I said, I'm from Swampscott. I've been saying I'm from Boston my whole life. And he looks at me and he says, I'm from Saugus. Uh, but I watched people the same sort of thing. Oh, you got to play my wedding. You got to do this. And it feels to me like, like the school trip where you make new friends and it seems like you're going to be friends forever. And then you get <laughs> off the cruise and you realize like real life has to come back. And it, I don't know. I've met a lot of people on cruises and there's very few I keep in touch with. Right. And you're right. When you're there, it, you, you're sharing this experience and you're all going to the same place and you're all eating dinner pretty close to each other. <laughs> right. and, um, and so you do get really close really quickly, but it does take a certain type of person to keep those relationships going. And I certainly have kept in touch with a few people. And one of those people is the person who keeps the relationships going with everybody. And, and she's a person to like make that happen, but I'm not, I kind of, <laughs> you know, I don't really do anything about it. I say, okay, yeah, sounds good. And then I forget all about it. And uh, I, I also think people, it, when it comes to like booking you for a gig, there's a financial reality to it. Like you probably, exactly. you probably don't live where they do. So they have to fly you there. Um, right. And people think it's a really cool idea and in theory, but, um, but you're right. Yeah. So there's the travel there and then there's all the equipment, um, not just my piano, but I mean, all the sound equipment, like people don't understand that aspect of it. Um, Weirdly, I started an audio magazine, so I have an, an outside sense of what that involves. Right. You're right. And you just people, it's not something I would have thought about either. But even now when I go to restaurants, different, different restaurants and bars, like they're all set up differently and they have varying degrees of of equipment on their own and even if they do have it nobody knows how to use it <laughs> and how often do they have a full piano like never 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 okay. approximately never <laughs> so, so so you've never have you ever played any of the like piano bars in vegas or places that are built around that theme so obviously have a piano uh, not on purpose. <laughs> so, I mean, I've like, I've, I went to the New York, New York hotel and they have that piano bar there. And I sat in and played a song with them. Um, but because once you're kind of in the dueling piano world, you can, you kind of know the gig and, and, and when somebody asks me to like play a song, I will let them play a song. Of course, if they give you money, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, everybody wants to sing a song, right? But only people who can actually play the piano generally uh, will ask to play the piano. So you always know who it is because at least on some of the royal ships, there is often a piano floating out in the middle of the, the sort of, uh, I forget what they call it, the atrium, the mall area where, where the bars and restaurants on the fifth floor are. Yeah. And you always see the same person who goes over <laughs> and like yeah. plays the song and they want you to ask and watch them. Yeah, yeah. And again, sometimes they're they're good. Like 
Maybe they yeah. were really good in high school and didn't pursue it. <laughs> Sometimes they took lessons in high school. And, you know, I played hockey in high school. I'm not, like, showing up at a Bruins game and being, like, let me no. on. <laughs> right. And, yeah, they always want to play when you have a full bar. And you're like, where were you, you know, yesterday or three hours ago? Or, you know, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, look, I've seen how you handle sort of the pushy person uh, and sort of putting them in a position where either to embarrass themselves in a way that's entertaining for the crowd. Right. Yep. <laughs> now, the piano bar on a cruise ship is, is probably the most popular spot, I would say. I mean, from what I can tell, the guitarist and they're very, Steve is very talented. Uh, some, some other guitarists yeah. I, I know, uh, Sam Ensike, incredibly talented. Watched him play for hours this weekend online from France to 10 of us. Felt like, sadly, being in the pub on a cruise ship. There were a handful of us, uh, and that was all. But I've seen you pack the house pretty much every night, and the gentleman who was there before you, who was more of like a wacky pianist, so I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I, I, his show didn't have the repeat watchability. It was kind of the same act every night. <laughs> right. but, but he was good. <laughs> like, you can only watch the same train wreck, like, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I hate to say not a, He's I, not a train wreck, but, well, you know. He was really talented. And, but one night he was performing, and I don't know his name, and I apologize for that. And he was letting a woman sing with him. And to say she wasn't good again would be saying like i'm not an nba caliber talent like, like you've seen me i'm five seven maybe <laughs> that um she she was singing with him and like more than once and it didn't occur to me until the last night that it was his wife <laughs> that it was probably oh my, oh. his like, last trip before i think you uh, so i'm just sitting here going like why is he tolerating this and then i realized oh that's why he's putting up with this <laughs> it's oh um, wow that yeah so so are are there songs and, and i can guess the ones because i've seen which ones you want a big tip to play are there songs you just can't you just can't stand playing anymore um you know the song every anybody who knows me knows my least favorite song to play is sweet caroline <laughs> okay that just yeah just because uh, it's partially also where it fits in my voice. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of where it fits in my voice and just because I have played it so many times. Um, and I don't know that. And again, I'm not a musician though. I, I've been a music journalist at various points. Um, not my favorite song. I don't understand why it's played after Red Sox. Games. I don't get it. I don't, um, there's a lot of songs where I just don't, I don't get it. And, but people love it. And so I do play it because they love it, but I don't love it. But, but you make them work for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'll tell them I will be happy to play that song for 20 bucks. So, so obviously, you know, you take requests and, and people attach a dollar, five dollars, 20. Uh, I've, lots of people are just throwing money in the tip jar. Um, but how do you decide? Because you're also a composer or songwriter is probably a better yeah. word. Um, and, and you have some brilliant original songs. Well, thanks. When the room is packed... How do you decide, hey, I'm going to throw one of mine in? Is, is there a science to oh, it? Were there, were there rules about it? Yeah, I, gen I don't usually when there's that many people um, because it would kind of kill the momentum. Um, if you have a large room, you can get away with sometimes more obscure songs because there's at least a, a number of people who know it um, and it won't, you know, totally 
just land on complete deaf ears where nobody knows what's going on. But when I have a big crowd, I, I tend to try to keep playing songs that I know they're going to sing along to. I'll do a couple sing-alongs and then a dance one and then, and then um, a different type of sing-along. I, I don't play my own songs when there's a big crowd. I think I'm just a bit shy, I guess, too. And that's if they're it. like, so, what is this terrible song? <laughs> <laughs> so basically you're playing to the room, but I suppose yeah. the last night I saw you perform was Super Bowl night. Um, so it was perhaps not the most full room. And you also oh, yeah. had a number of friends on board, probably people who at least somewhat knew your music or at least told you they had listened to your music. Uh, is that why you played a handful of originals? I'm, oh God, I'm trying to think. You're going to make me remember a specific <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. Um, oh, let's see. It, did, if anybody, I, I usually don't unless somebody asked for it or uh, pr probably I did so. oh okay then then I mean I do have some funny ones and so I'll sometimes play those um yeah I'm, I'm forgetting the song you played but it was it was humorous and sort of relatable in okay. a way that you didn't need to know it it's on yeah. it's on your full-length album and the name is completely escaping me that's fair it's probably probably vanity or broke yes, it, was, it, okay. was van it was vanity. okay so that one i will play sometimes just because I've, I've gotten a lot of <laughs> positive feedback that it's a lot of people's favorite song of mine and and i've got kind of a funny intro for it and if i want to introduce people into original music my original music yeah i guess that that's a good song where there's some fun lyrics and so I try to really enunciate <laughs> since it's, I know people haven't heard it. It's a very uh, Dixie Chickish new country. That's probably not a fair description because it's, it's also sort of rocking, but it has that kind of uh, funny vibe to it. And I, I like you playing it alone uh, more than I like the produced version, which is obnoxious of me to say, but. No, I love that. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> fine. I, I'd like to see you put it out there in sort of a stripped down version because I think some of the production covers up how sort of clever the lyrics are. Well, now I know what I'm doing with the rest of my day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what everyone wants. Uh, guys who listen to music critiquing their music. <laughs> so. No, I love it. I, I, don't, I don't mind. I, lo I love that idea, actually. Then, So are there artists you love? Like, I, I remember we had a brief conversation about Tori Amos. Are, are there artists who my wife loves? Are there people you'd love to play, but you just don't think the audience would follow? Oh, yeah. Uh, Muse. Muse is the number one. They are my favorite band of all time. Um, and they've had some hits, no? Oh, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know why I don't play them more often. <laughs> I think they're just, as much as I think they're amazing and mainstream, there's just still not a lot of people have heard of them. Um, it it and, always... It always amazes me, whether I'm watching you or Steve or Sam or, or anybody playing on board, when they play something that, in my mind, is very mainstream. Uh, like Sam plays uh, Elvis Costello's Allison. That, to me, is a pretty big hit. And it cleans out the room. No, nobody remembers that song. Uh, so I, I think you're right in that most people have a very shallow, uh, you know, Jimmy Buffett, Garth Brooks level of music knowledge. Well, yeah, you're also dealing with, you know, people that are on cruise ships are a different demographic. And then the one that's going to come to a piano bar on a cruise ship. Um, it's interesting. Now, you've obviously been on other ships. The, the Navigator is a, does a three-day and a four-day itinerary. So the three-day is definitely just like a weekend party. It seems yeah. to be younger 
than some of the the longer trips I've done. Do you find there are different audiences depending sort of where you are? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when you have like an older crowd, are you playing to 50s and 60s? Oh, 100%. Yeah, because they don't. I mean, if I play Miley Cyrus, they're they're not happy about that. And they don't. I mean, you lose them. And what's the point? I can play Miley Cyrus by myself or I can play – you know, some CCR to somebody who actually knows it and sings along. And really what I'm doing on those ships is I'm just leading a sing-along, really. I'm just trying to make people have a really good time. Um, Sometimes I feel like I'm forcing them to have fun whether they want to or not. Uh, The crowd seems to loosen up as the evening goes on, and I'm going to guess that's uh, alcohol-related. I know. I wish I could just cut to two hours in, you know. (laughs) Blackout for the first two hours sometimes and then... Yeah, I, 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 I found that pacing is required, especially oh, yeah. when, in, in my case, I've often been on board before and know the wait staff. So they tend to be pretty attentive, especially if you've tipped or, or you know, frankly, even just said a kind word, because most people are not particularly uh, nice from, from what <laughs> I've seen. Sorry to damn all of my fellow passengers, but it's, it's usually true. Uh, so I, I find you got to slow down a little bit or you're not going to make the end of the evening. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which I guess is not an option for you. So what are you doing during this, uh, this horrible period where we're not supposed to go outside? Yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I, you know, this week, or at least last week anyway, I wouldn't have been doing much different anyway. Um, I probably would have gone out to see some friends, but they would have been busy with their families. So it's kind of the life pause that I've always wanted but I couldn't take that life pause because everybody else is still going. So, so now it's like everybody's forced to take it. And, and um, it's been kind of nice for me. I, I get up and I do my like writing exercises and I try to practice, learn new songs and try to get ready, get in a mind frame to write my own. Is it scary not knowing when you can sort of go back to work? Uh, not yet. <laughs> it probably will be. And if I was like paying rent, it would be, but I'm chilling with my parents. <laughs> so, uh, okay. um, and it's kind of funny because my sister and her husband just got back here also, and she's older than I am. And they came back from, they had to, uh, they were in India because they've been on like a year long honeymoon where they just took sabbatical from work or quit work really and just were traveling so they had to come back pretty abruptly so now we're all you know <laughs> full-on adults <laughs> living at home it's, it's okay I mean like when last we talked about this you weren't even entirely sure like I think your car was in a different location from your stuff which yeah. wasn't where you were headed so obviously yeah. when you've chosen a creative life that sort of means not having deep roots is that fair to say yeah, no, absolutely. I, I would like to, but that's the reality is I, I don't. <laughs> is your, your long range goal to make it as a songwriter to, you know, write music for, I don't know, television or, or something like that? Oh, you asked the hard questions. <laughs> I figured I'd make it serious for a minute or two. <laughs> um, so I, I'm still figuring it out. I, what I do love, I love writing writing music and I love singing and um, the stuff I write, it, it's all different. So I think some of it, yeah, I would love to place in movies because that's what people have told me. It sounds like, Oh, this sounds very cinematic. Uh, 
Um, but then I like to just write songs. So I'd like to write for other people, but I also love performing. So I think I'll have kind of a, <laughs> I never have one goal. I've got a three, t I've got a three prong <laughs> future. Um, do you have some, some, do you have someone whose career you look to and say, that's what I want? Oh, I suppose Lady Gaga is. <laughs> well, okay, that, that's setting the bar high. <laughs> so all you want to do is sell out stadiums. <laughs> uh, that's a little scary, but um, I think also like when she was doing the bars. <laughs> okay. But no, I do, I do love, I, I, don't, I don't know. I like performing. I like making people happy. Um, that uh it's i think one of the first things i said to you is that part of the reason i like watching musicians up close is every writer wants to be a musician uh, <laughs> and, and i don't mean so much that i wish i could play piano or guitar though i i do wish i could do those things it's that when you write something like i i wrote some things this week that millions of people have read i don't get to speak to any of them i don't get to see if they smile or if they're or if oh, they liked yeah. it i mean so so there's that aspect and even doing a podcast here um, there's no direct feedback. I mean, I was on a show earlier today that probably 60, 70,000 people are going to listen to and you'll get like eight comments on Twitter. There's, yeah. there's very, very little applause. Yeah, and it's so hard because it's like, you know, you know that a lot of those people liked it. They just aren't doing anything or telling you you know what you will hear is when they don't like it. Of course, of course. <laughs> that uh, the, few, the few times I've written things about maybe not thinking a movie was going to perform well and it turned out to perform well, that's when you get 10,000 uh, tweets back telling you what a jerk you are. What? But, oh, yeah, I, I, I did a, again, I think I told you the story. I, I wrote a piece, a very measured financial piece comparing Guardians of the Galaxy to the first Captain America movie. This was before it was released, saying it's not going to do quite as well. People don't know these characters. And then literally 18,000 people tweeted box office stories at me after it came out and was a giant hit. Uh, and they all seemed to miss the fact that I wasn't saying I didn't like it. I wasn't saying I wasn't going to see it on opening day weekend. I, I did. I just was using logic to write a story and get paid to write a story. And that's how I make a living. Well, uh, right. It's like when people get mad at comedians for making a joke. Oh, I have, so I have a huge issue with that. <laughs> I, one, I don't think there's ever too soon. I think no. a joke is funny if it's funny, even if it's uncomfortable. It's Anthony Jeselnik, who did, does that, like he on does. purpose. He, yeah, he, he does. But he's so good at his craft. Yeah. He does something very few people could do. Right. <laughs> his entire act is designed to sort of say like, I don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I wish I could do that, but yeah. other people pay me and I do care what they think. And I like to keep my job. Um, right. You know, on the other hand, if a comedian is working something out, and I, th I think it's a huge negative of the smartphone era, how many times have you seen footage of like, comedian in a in a comedy club that could sell out theaters working at the comedy cellar working out his act and somebody tapes it which you're not supposed to do and a joke that seems insensitive gets used that's a person trying something that's like if all your rehearsals were taped and i said oh you're not great at that song the third time you've ever played it right yeah because with comedy you can't you need the audience you need yeah and, and you need to to try i mean i'm certainly by no means oh, yeah. a comedian, but I've done some comedic things. And 
when you work something out, it's not always going to be where it is or something might sound right in your head. I mean, you know what things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're trying to convey something and then it turns out that you're rhyming way too much and it sounds like a Dr. Seuss song or like, or, or who knows what mistake you're doing. Sometimes I've used metaphors uh, in articles for companies that are struggling that maybe come off as too harsh, but seemed really funny to me when I wrote them. <laughs> so that uh, have you had any of those situations i mean you are a humorous performer when you're when you're playing um i think i kind of just mumble or talk really quickly <laughs> and then get into a different song that like i i have the luxury of falling back on something that i know is good like okay i know that this song is good because everybody else has said that it's a really good song and we've just established as a society that living on a prayer is a great song and we'll sing <laughs> along to it. You know, you or a comedian doesn't really have the luxury of like, Oh, I'm in unfamiliar territory. Nobody's really reacting. I think I'm going to go settle back into this really familiar place that I know people can get on board with and we can at least all get on the same page again, that this is good. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that is understandable. But on the other hand, you're playing things that people are familiar with and you're not always playing them directly the way, you know, they know them. So there's some risk to that. Yeah, no, there definitely is. And I, I still get nervous. Um, but um, as far as putting my, my own little touch on things or when I, you know, when I talk in between songs or when I even try original songs, it's still very little. <laughs> It gets more with when I have more to drink. So by the end of the night, you know, you know all about me. But well, you you were being fairly careful on the uh, the various cruises I've seen you on. I, I I saw drinks sit next to you more so than I saw you consuming drinks. Yeah, it doesn't get pretty. I, I've like, you know, there's a there's a couple curves going on. <laughs> I I have a pretty strict. Uh, can't drink before doing a podcast or or any sort of work even if it's just uh you know one the last thing you want to have to explain to your bosses is like oh like why wasn't i great well maybe i had a drink or two beforehand <laughs> and that that seems like checked into someplace and admittedly you're working in a bar people are sending you drinks yeah in my in my position you're almost it's like a work hazard you you there were nights where I'm, I really don't want to drink, but I end up drinking. Have you ever done the trick where you ask the bartender to bring you something that looks like a drink and, and pretend you're drinking along with the crowd? Um, yeah, I have tried that. The thing, <laughs> the thing about my particular job, and I've had this discussion actually with other entertainers and other pub guitarists, is like, yeah, you can do the gig sober and I've done the gig sober and it's fine, but it, it seems like you just have so much better interaction when you're a little bit on the level of your whole audience and the night just goes so much better. You make way more money and I, I don't know what it is, but like if I've had a little bit to drink, I seem to do so much better. Do, do you think it's an inhibitions thing with like, you know, oh, yeah. half, a oh, beer, yeah. half a beer in you, you're more loose and less oh, yes. worried about hundred percent, a hundred percent. It has nothing to do with my <laughs> voice. My voice does not get better. Um, and my playing does not get better. Um, I'm just, 
much more relaxed and is it odd when someone sends you a drink but doesn't ask you what you want and sends a specific drink no (laughs) no i'll take it i'll take whatever um it also that does not happen too often usually they'll ask the bartender because in a cruise ship setting they know i'm there all the time so they're like oh what do you want to drink i i very rarely have somebody send me a drink without asking me first what i want that uh, that makes sense because i i I saw it happen in the pub where where people were sending drinks that were just what they were drinking it's like that that seems very presumptuous that's like walking into a restaurant and ordering a meal for someone (laughs) else can can i send him the the steak like that it it does happen now that you've mentioned that it has happened a couple times but it really is so rare that uh uh, sorry my my computer screen just distracted me for a second there uh so are there aspects of being away being at sea you miss and are there things you absolutely are happy you don't have to deal with anymore yes and yes let's see um i miss the other you know the other people that i work with that i like (laughs) you know there's only a couple but (laughs) i've seen the pictures (laughs) (laughs) right you know they turn into your best friends you know and you're living next door and they're just always around and you really have the personal interaction and there's, there's always something going on. I know that, you know, if I was just not feeling it, I could, there were certain places where I could go to kind of get the energy off of other people. Like I used to go to the, um, Oh, the sports bar playmakers. I would, I would go there just cause the energy there was always great. Um, it's, it's a fun place to watch a sporting event, too. They're, they, it almost doesn't matter what it is. There's sort of a communal feel to it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, there's just so much energy. So if I'm all depressed in my room, you know, I know that really I just need to drag myself to a guest area of the ship and I can get a lot of energy because everybody's on vacation and generally in a good mood. Um, and you can usually step outside into nice warm weather. <laughs> Are, are people intimidated by you? Because in that environment, you're sort of famous. <laughs> I, people like crew or guests? Guests. I would assume the crew is not going to... They, 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 if you're with someone for months at a time, they probably, even if they're actually super famous, lose some of that luster. Right, exactly. I don't know. Apparently, apparently I can be intimidating. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, um, that's what I was told. <laughs> Okay. So, I, nobody but, uh, told me. So. No, no. And that's the thing is like my, you know, any of my good friends will say absolutely not, never, not even once. But um, I guess it just depends what kind of mood I'm in. And if you catch me now, <laughs> on is that, that mood the first day. Is that one of the challenges of doing that for a living? That like, if you decided to get on a cruise ship tomorrow, you wouldn't necessarily have friends on board. Is that? Oh yeah. And that, that's always the hard. Well, you make friends on board because there's a constant there's constantly new people signing on and signing off every couple of days every turnaround new people sign on and sign off so you're always kind of in this freshman dorm situation where people are ready to meet a new person um to some degree but then you've got clicks really firm clicks kind of within a ship um and especially within entertainment that that's a whole sub world well, you, have, you have a lot more freedom as a as an entertainer, correct? 
You do, but you still have a ton of rules. Um, that's, that's one of the things I don't miss at all. I don't miss working where I eat and sleep <laughs> and having everybody know my business. Um, because you think that I feel like I blend in because I blend in with the guests. Um, and honestly, they won't even recognize me a lot of times if I'm not behind a piano or I'm not like fully made up. They, they have no idea. I just look like any other passenger. Whereas if I'm in the crew area, they all know who I am because I look very different <laughs> than the rest I, of the crew. Um, that, that is a function of, of, I hate to say, working in an environment that's largely not employing Americans. So. Right. Um, but so... It, it does seem like summer camp. Like I saw pictures of you and Steve and Ross and all different tropical islands and, and places and having fun. And I've, I, I know the two of them went to Disney World together and I, I saw pictures <laughs> yeah. of, of you. I offered them my house. They didn't take me up on it. Um, the, I saw pictures of you and Ross. Like, is it hard to maintain those relationships now that you're, you know, not all in the same place? It, it, it really is. It, um, Cause you know, when you're there, you're forced to be there. But as soon as you get on land, well, what I find hard too is when I'm on the ship, you just have no internet or it's very slow or it's very expensive. And so you're kind of forced into your own little world. And so I lose contact with everybody, that all is, my old friends. That was one of the things that I was shocked by that you're charged for internet as, you know, yeah. essentially an employee, a contractor, I guess, in your case. But so did you use internet cafes when you were in port or occasionally just buy the internet to suck it up? Or did you just go dark? I, um, I would buy internet on the ships uh, when we were at sea, but then in port I got, I had a phone plan where I would get service in the Bahamas um, because I knew that I was going to be there that often. So I just got, I, I did get service um, yeah, in I port. I always had to pay for internet because, you know, I'm, I'm working <laughs> for, for some of it, you know, usually uh, a, a, either I have some actual work to do. I've recorded podcasts on chips and I've written articles on chips. And if I have a bad night in the casino, I might feel guilty the next day and, <laughs> and do some work. <laughs> so right, you got to um, win that back. Well, it's a weird way to look at it, but I, you know, I get paid kind of like you do, like for the work I do. So if I don't go to work and obviously you've seen me a, bunch of times on cruise ships I'm, I'm not always home so, so and I'm probably the only person under 60 who cru ever goes on a cruise alone so so sometimes it, it is just sort of a different environment for me not necessarily a vacation right right it's 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 a unique world so then yeah when you get back home it's it is hard to keep in contact because then everybody's in their different life and now like um Ross is in Wales and he's in quite a different time zone. Steve's in Boston. And, uh, but we did have a, um, we all got on Facebook messenger and had our own little happy hour uh, a couple of days ago. And it was awesome. Do you have, a, which speaking of happy hours uh, to make a terrible segue, do you plan on doing any sort of like basement performance or? I do. I, I'm going to do it prob this week, I think. Um, probably Thursday. So, you know, since nobody's cruising now and I do have a, a couple fans at least. <laughs> uh, are you, are you going to go like a virtual tip jar? Like I watched one of my favorite musicians, a Boston band, a Buffalo Tom, the lead singer did literally that. He played for an hour and a half in his basement and they were a pretty big band. 
and he donated like I don't know four or five thousand dollars to struggling area musicians who can't play. So uh, you maybe you might not do that well, but I'm guessing you'd do pretty well. I I have no idea how well I would do, but yeah, I'm definitely doing the virtual tip jar thing <laughs> to try to. Well, send me the info because uh, one of the we- one of the weirder things ab- about me that probably has never come up is that I own like totally80s.com, <laughs> uh, which has half a million people going to it every month. So if I throw something up, you'll probably you know, and you promise to play uh, I don't know a Madonna song or something, I could probably. Well, that's some- awesome. Yeah, it's, I wanted- it's, a, it's a little bizarre. You know, I wanted to take I want to take like pre requests, you know, because for songs that I don't know, and then I can learn the song. So there we go, Madonna. So, I, so that's what Bill Janowitz did. He used his band social media feed to take requests because obviously he hasn't, if you're in a band, you haven't performed solo renditions necessarily of all your songs and some things have harmonies and other things that don't work. So yeah, he, his set list was planned. Yeah, well, and I think the other misconception people have is that I can just play anything because I have learned a lot of songs and a lot of different genres and I you know if I spend the time on it sure I can generally figure out a song but I it's not like it just happens (laughs) you have a very deep playlist having literally read through your playlist what are you working on now I am working I generally do like four songs at a time Um, I find I just work better when I learn multiple songs rather than spending a bunch of time on one and hating it so I'm doing Amarillo by morning um, Colin Baton Rouge, Benny and the Jets, and uh, Independence Day. A lot of country, in case I go back to Nashville. <laughs> okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so when you learn a song, is it figuring out the piano arrangement? Uh, are, are you, and I oh, know God. this is a silly process to be asking, are you no memorizing way. the lyrics or are, are you following along on an iPad? Right, okay, so I, I, am, I still try a number of different methods um you have because you have to learn the whole song the lyrics every chord when the next chord comes in you know because you're playing the song you're leading the song um and generally you're supposed to just learn it by ear you know you just listen to the song and figure out the chords that's how i was taught with um my dueling piano so that's just kind of how everybody did it but i don't have the best ear for that. I get really lost in distorted guitars and low notes. (laughs) Um, And so I kind of do a mixture of any resources I can get. Um, So if I have like a chart from a friend, there's like a couple songs where I've, I've gotten it that way. So the chart will have the chords, but then I have to place the lyrics. Um, But generally what I'll do is I'll learn the song lyrically first so I'll just play it kind of divide it up into chunks and then um, I write out lyrics and I'll learn um, I'll learn how to sing the song along because once I can do that first then I've got a really good feel for the song and then I can and then the chords some of them I've already kind of placed out and then I I can um, figure out the other chords either by looking them up or just listening to it over and over and over and over again are, are you formally trained? You would seem yeah. to be, but yeah. I, I... Yeah, I was classically trained, so I read music. Um, and But I prefer to read chords, like just give me the chord name, and then I can play that much easier. 
And are, are you changing arrangements to suit your voice and, and things like that? So I try not to. Generally, the rule is, and again, I'm basing everything on dueling pianos. So some people do that like, like I do. When I sing a song, I try to make it sound as close to the original as possible because that's generally what people want to hear rather than what some people will do, and especially guitarists, um, is they make their own arrangement of the song. But then I feel like it just sounds like the same song when you try to make it your own each time. I'm like, okay, I get it. You're <laughs> like, you're singing zombie. I get it in theory, but it doesn't sound anything like the song that I wanted to hear. <laughs> well, isn't that sometimes though, like, you know, like if uh, I think you and Steve probably both overlap doing some Taylor Swift. Sure. And his voice <laughs> is just going to bring something different to Absolutely. it than, than yours does. Absolutely. But I think with guitar too, uh, you're, that tends to sound, those so the songs kind of sound more similar, whereas with piano, you do have the ability to switch it up, switch up your chord progressions, just what you're doing in your, in your left hand. Um, so, so anyway, I guess back to, I try to make the song sound as close to the original as possible. So I generally will do it in the original key, um, unless it's just going to fit a lot better if I lower it a step or two. Um, and sometimes that's all it takes just to make it fit in my voice really well. Sometimes like with Alan Jackson, I have to raise it, <laughs> you know, like a half octave in order for it to sound low in my voice. And, okay. and you know, is there anything you've been asked to do a million times and you just can't get it right? Uh, your song by Elton John. <laughs> okay, that's not an easy one. It's not, but the thing is, it's not playing it. It's just normally Elton John songs are right, just perfect for me, just fit right in my voice, and it's fine. For some reason, your song is just in a weird place where it's like half of it is really comfortable, and ha and there's just a couple of those notes where they're on my break, but I don't want to belt them, but I don't want to sing them in this head voice that sounds like a princess or an opera singer, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's one that's like, I would like to do that song. It's just not, um, it's just not in my best range. <laughs> totally makes sense. So a as we close this out, and I'm sure we'll do this again, um, but I, I wanted to ask, I wanted to, to bring it back. You used to work in finance? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what, 10 what years. Did you, what did you do? Oh, well, again, a bit of everything, <laughs> but um, first was mortgage-backed securities right when the market was falling in 2006. Okay, not a great time to be, uh, that, that was a, the mortgage crisis, wasn't it? Yes, it was, and we were doing after, we were doing post-securitization due diligence, if that oh makes my. any sense. But, uh, it, well, you know what I do for a living, so it does. <laughs> yeah, well, I meant basically like, okay, after you've already securitized it, we're going to tell you what you're holding and why it's failing. Now, had I not been 22 and known what was going on a bit more, I could have, I don't know, it would have made more sense to me, but you've got all these people fresh out of college that are like, ah, you know, this place is declining in value by 50% because of uh, market conditions. And that was the reason for things. And, and none of us really understood that that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the challenge now. One of the things we've been doing, and we've been running a lot of uh, extra content, is really trying to explain to people that markets go down very quickly, but they, they always come back. 
Um, and maybe there'll be a time that they don't, but I don't think that, that this is the end of the world. It's just a, you know, a one-off car oh, yeah. situation. Oh yeah. Well, stock markets, I guess are one thing, but when like a house declines in value by that much. It's terrifying. I mean, I, I've had some relatives that had to back out of a deal and lose a pretty significant deposit because values fell so much during that time period. Yeah. It, it's just insane. Well, anyway, so I did that for a while. I did 401ks. I did self-directed IRAs. Um, so do you like this better? <laughs> yeah, this suits my sleep schedule better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I, I'm going to close on that because one of the challenges, and I've heard this from every performer or musician I've ever spoken to on a cruise ship, which is, you know, four or five people is that it completely changes your rhythm because your workday was roughly what? Like 7 p.m. to 1 a.m.? Uh, yeah, that's a whole other topic of how, how you have to go all day and then work as opposed to wake up, work, and then you're free. It's, it's a totally different... That's another part I don't miss. <laughs> right, and you have the right. challenge of like, so you're not working and the ship is stopped in Nassau and I don't know, you want to get off to, I don't know, Go, yeah. go, to a, go to a pharmacy or get a cup of coffee or something or just mm -hmm. do, go to the beach, whatever it is. Yeah. You're doing that before your work day. Right. Yeah. And so you come back and you're exhausted and you're like, well, <laughs> do I nap? Do I? Yeah. It's a, it's a totally different. And, and I'll ask this part as sort of a different type of performer. So I mentioned I did something live to, you know, a couple thousand people on, on Saturday night and it was at, it was at nine o'clock. So I worked from nine to 11. And of course, I had that exhilaration of, oh my God, I just, you know, performed. I talked to mm -hmm. thousands of people and I'm on one hand exhausted, uh, yeah. on the second hand, exhilarated. Yes. And yes. I, I get it. <laughs> I simply couldn't sleep. Is that what it feels like every night for you? And it is. It's like every night um, I'm, I'm mentally exhausted. Um, I'm just drained. Uh, but I'm not, yeah, you're not ready to go to bed. You can't fall asleep, but I'm drained. So, so it doesn't go away, even though you've done this thousands no. of times. No, six nights, six nights a week. I, you know, and I would try to go, you try to go to the bar afterwards, you know, and everybody else is just having a great time. But I would just be so exhausted just because you put everything kind of into, into your show. And when you're having to entertain every single millisecond for three or four hours and you're, you're really putting everything, everything out there. It's, it's just exhausting every time. <laughs> I, I get it. And, and I found it again, then we'll close here. Uh, in, in talking with Steve and talking with, with Sam, when the pub was empty at the end of the night, if they sat down to have a drink with me, it was kind of comfortable. If there was still a crowd, even though they're sitting there having a drink, they're kind of being interviewed. They're still having to perform. Uh, and on a weird level, yeah. I do understand that because, you know, I do occasionally have people like want to talk to me about finance or they, they've seen me on TV or whatever it is. And you have to be on. And yeah, it, it's nice to hear that you're able to escape on a ship because uh, I've seen some of the guest comedians where they're, you know, comedians often have like a, a an odd look and they simply <laughs> can, they can't hide in the pool. <laughs> like, well, they're also men and men look the same on stage and off. <laughs> Oh, I suppose that's true. The, the, <laughs> I, I was on a, a carnival ship that had the woman, she was doing like a housewife okay. comedian joke. Yeah. And, and she wasn't very good, frankly, but she had a real <laughs> distinctive look. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how they hired her because usually when they they read the credentials, it's always like either like really out of date but impressive. Like he was on the Arsenio <laughs> Hall show. Yes. He, he, he he's appeared with Sinbad. Like, like or it's just like someone who's on the peripheral of success. Like they've right. they've done a few things. They're on their way up. They're yeah. I dipped a toe in HBO. Yeah, it's like it's like you know they were on Comedy Central. It's like did they have a special? Like were they just right. in the audience? Like, what? <laughs> like I have a friend who's a up-and-coming comedian who I see him at lots of like Atlanta-style venues and he's not really a name but he's almost a name so but he has credentials and this woman her credentials are like she's been on other cruise ships (laughs) and and again was she a passenger (laughs) who is she (laughs) somebody let her on so we let her on yeah it wasn't a great act but you know sort of like Roseanne in the 80s she had a very distinct look so she couldn't hide at the buffet Uh. You know, yeah. like if, if she sat down, a crowd of people wanted to come over and talk to her, which I have to imagine would be exhausting. I think I maybe I am intimidating because if I am all dressed up, people rarely actually approach me. Once they get drunker, then they do a bit more. But. <laughs> well, I am the exception to that. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah, but I'm fine with it. I just... Though, though, to, though, to be fair, I, I will say the, the first time we actually spoke, it was kind of a quieter night and there were seats at the piano. So you, you sort of uh, waved me over more or less to fill in the gap so other people wouldn't be afraid <laughs> like, to do it. <laughs> well, yeah. if no one's sitting at the piano, no matter how crowded it is, I think the first person has to be drunk enough to want to do it. The, yeah, it's, it's such a mob mentality, but it's, it's so true. And just to, to explain to everyone I'm talking about, so Amber on board plays at a piano that's surrounded by six full-size stools and usually two baby stools that have been stolen, the, the regular yeah. ones for some reason. <laughs> so it's six people that are about the same height as her and two people who look like they're sitting at the kitty folding table yeah. at Thanksgiving. Yeah. That, and generally, by the end of the night, you know half those people. I would say... Oh, yeah. An, awful lot of gay couples is is a very very big fan base of yours would be my guess Uh, and sort of you can tell who the party people are in the room and I don't mean like the drunks I mean the people who aren't embarrassed about sort of having a good time yeah my favorite people (laughs) and on that note uh we should probably close this out it was absolutely lovely talking to you yeah, it's been super fun. And we will do this again soon. This will be online, uh, hopefully within an hour or so. Uh, the podcast is called I'm Bored. For any of you who are listening and didn't hear me say that at the beginning, probably should have said that somewhere in the middle as well. And uh, I don't know, I will talk to you again soon.